Really glad to have uh, Cameron and Jessica back for a little bit. So I hope you'll get a chance to touch base with them after the service today. You guys be hanging around a little bit? Good. You still remember how to speak English really well? They'll teach you Romanian if you'll say hello to them. Uh, first service, the Rotens, Thomas, and Caitlin were back as well, and they are transitioning back after serving in China for three years. Uh, they're now, Thomas has taken uh, a position as a chaplain in Northern Virginia, another unreached people group in Northern Virginia. So, uh, big transition for them. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to ship you guys back, right? We're going to ship the Armstrongs back, but the Rotens are here to stay in Northern Virginia. They'll be around uh, as well, I believe, and I hope you'll get a chance to encourage them. Speaking of sending, we're also sending Rob and Kelly Craig this week to um, the Czech Republic and Turkey for a couple of weeks to encourage North Wakers who are living there. So I know they would really appreciate your prayers, and there's a prayer guide. This is the cover off of their prayer guide. Um, you can email the office and get a copy of that sent to you, and it'll be available. Um, if you're part of our prayer chain, it'll come out probably today or tomorrow. But you can get that from the office. Um, when you decide to see a movie, how do you decide which movie you're going to see? Um, what, how do you sort that out? I know some of you um, go to review sites, and some of you trust the judgment of your friends, uh, for better or for worse. Um, but inevitably, at at one time or another, you probably resort to something called a trailer. And it's a little kind of a sneak preview of coming attractions to entice you to get a look at it. Trailers, trailers have been around since 1913. And uh, the reason they're called trailers is they used to come after the movie. Uh, but then they figured out everybody was gone by then. So now the trailer precedes uh, the movie that's being shown. And uh, there are about 10 billion videos that are watched online annually. Um, news videos are the most watched. User posts are next. And after those, trailers are the most watched kinds of video that we have. There are even golden trailer awards for the best trailer every year. Uh, Gravity, if you saw that film, their uh, trailer won the award this year, the golden trailer award. This is kind of how it works for us. Watch the trailer, decide about the movie, right? Watch the trailer, decide about the movie. And, and that's how I think about these opening verses in Acts chapter 2. Um, they're a preview of what's about to come in the book and really, really throughout history. Um, the way history, the, the history of the church has unfolded uh, really is the continuing story of Acts chapter 2. And so there's a sense today as we look in on this little trailer in Acts chapter 2, this little preview of what's about to happen, we're faced with a decision, not whether we're watching a movie, but whether we will join in the mission that Acts chapter 2 gives us a preview of. So for us today, it's watch the trailer, decide about the mission. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'll pray for us and we'll, we'll dig in. Father, be kind to us by your spirit and your word now. Uh, may, may 
May my words serve greater purposes uh, in the hands of your spirit. May your word become clear to us and make sense to us and lead us. Give us glad, glad hearts to what it is you are asking of us and leading us into today. We trust you, Father, and we ask for your help now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's review the calendar, kind of the church calendar where we are right now. Not like the annual church calendar, but in history. The end of Luke's first volume, which was Luke's gospel, Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And then in the first chapter of Luke's second volume, the book of Acts we're studying, the disciples wait around for 40 days and they keep seeing Jesus' sightings of the risen Christ. He shows up on a number of different occasions. For 40 days this goes on. And on that final and 40th day, Jesus meets with his disciples He gives them this command and this promise. While staying with his disciples, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And just a couple verses later, he promises them this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And on that 40th day when Jesus issued this command and promise, he then ascended back to heaven where he reigns and rules at the right hand of the Father. Now, for 10 more days, the disciples waited, and as we saw last week, they waited and they prayed. In verse 14 of chapter 1, all these disciples with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. So for 10 days, they wait and they pray. And I wonder, so what do you think they're praying about? What were the disciples praying about for those 10 days? And even though we're not told, I look at the promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and I look at Jesus' teaching earlier about the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 11. Jesus says, "'If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children.'" How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So I imagine that they were spending those 10 days saying, Father, send the Spirit. You promised that we'd have power to be your witnesses when the Spirit came. You said if we ask, you'll send Him. Send the Spirit. Send the Spirit. After 10 days of prayer, now we're 50 days out on Jesus' resurrection, we're ready to roll the trailer, which is Acts chapter 2. So when the day of Pentecost arrived, 50 days after the resurrection, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right. If that's the trailer, it's an action film, okay? You're going to have lots of special effects, going to be some pretty amazing stuff that's going to go on. You've got a room filled with this tornado-like sound. You've got something like flames of fire on each of the believers' heads. This is amazing stuff. What is going on here? Okay. 
Let me say first, something very real is going on here. This is not pyrotechnics or special effects or some David Blaine street magic. Luke reports this as real phenomena, audible and visual, that the believers in that upper room experienced. Okay? It actually happened. Even though they say it was a sound like a mighty wind and it was tongues as of fire on their heads, um, they're describing as best they can what it was like, something we know what it was like. There were real audible and visual experiences going on there. Okay? Something real happened. Now, having said that it was real, let me say also that it was highly symbolic, these, this sound and these flames of, of fire. Um, throughout the Old Testament, and even in, in the New Testament, this wind-like sound, the wind, is often a symbol of the presence of God. So is fire. It's interesting, you go back to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 66, the prophet says, Behold, the Lord will come in fire, and His chariots like the whirlwind. Okay. This is imagery that often accompanies the coming of God, the presence of God, even in in the language of both the Old Testament and the New, the word for spirit is also the word for wind. Okay? And again, those flames of fire, what were they? What, what was it? I have no idea what that was. Okay? But we did have this experience in one of our small groups that was documented. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think, this is what was going on in Acts chapter 2. Flames as of fire on the heads of believers. Now, fire famously is a, um, it's associated with God's presence. Remember Moses in the bush, right? What was, what was the bush? It was a flaming bush. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And then uh, when the people were, were roaming around in the desert, how did God guide them? Well, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire um, to give them light. So the symbolism of wind and fire in Acts chapter 2 is telling us God is showing up. Okay? The presence of God is coming upon those believers in that room, just as Jesus promised, right? Remember Jesus promised back in John 16. He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, that's the spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus has gone on the 40th day. And now on the 50th day, on Pentecost, um, Jesus sends the spirit God is showing up with, with wind and fire-like symbolism to represent his presence. Um, this is just what Jesus said would happen in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay? The Holy Spirit has come upon them in Acts chapter, one, Acts chapter 2. Joel the prophet wrote about it long before. He said, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit 
on all flesh. So without a doubt, okay, nobody's, nobody's walking around after this experience saying, was that the Spirit? Did the Spirit come? This is clearly the out, the marking, the symbols of the Spirit of God coming upon His people. But why wait till day 50? Okay, Jesus ascended on day 40, could have sent the Spirit like right then. Why wait 10 days? And some of the reasoning that I think is going on here is related, connected to some Old Testament feasts and celebrations they had. And those Old Testament celebrations pointed forward often to a fulfillment in Christ's life and ministry. For instance, um, it's interesting that on Passover, Jesus was crucified. And on the festival of the first fruits, Jesus was raised from the dead. And now on Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, which is a harvest festival, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. So that just as Passover pointed to Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on a cross, the ultimate sacrificial lamb, and just as the festival of first fruits pointed to Jesus' resurrection, the first of many from the dead, so now too Pentecost, this feast of harvest, points to the amazing events associated with the sending of the Spirit that are going to empower the church to be witnesses and a great harvest will come. It's a harvest festival, anticipating the great harvest. Matter of fact, next week, you flip flip your Bible one page, you're going to read an amazing story about 3,000 people coming to believe in Jesus on that first Pentecost day. The time for waiting has ended The time for witness has come. And it says in verse 4, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit fills them. He takes control of them. He empowers them. And what He wants them to do is speak in languages they do not know and have not studied. Why? If you're picking, if you're the Holy Spirit and you're picking, I'm going to show up this way, would you really pick some, giving somebody a pass on language classes? Why? Why this? And I think you find out by what happens next. It says, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. The sound there is probably not the roaring in the room, but it was the speaking of languages by the disciples. When they heard that sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in his own native language? So again, what, what evidently has happened is the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit in that upper room. They spill out into the street, into public spaces, whereas we're going to find out next week, thousands of people hear them speaking in languages they have not studied that are the languages of the people in the city. Um, Now, Jerusalem was a, a major city, cosmopolitan city, a capital kind of city. 
So it's not surprising there would be people living there from all over the world, right? Um, Plus, you add to that that Pentecost was one of three pilgrim feasts that the Jews had where they would like make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. So God has orchestrated this miraculous gifting of language on the day when there are going to be the most people from the most nations in that city to hear these languages. Now, they seem to be especially puzzled, these people do, because the disciples are Galileans. Uh, Galileans had an accent. We would call it a drawl, okay? And uh, they were not from an important city. They were kind of out from the rural areas. And so to hear these people, in, you know, they kind of look down on them as unlearned and uneducated people from out there speaking these languages. It'd be like if you're in downtown Raleigh, our capital city, right, and you're an international businessman or dipl- diplomat who's doing business in the park or something, and all of a sudden you hear people from Pocomoke or Spivey's Corner or Lizard Lick, okay, speaking flawless Arabic and Chinese and Tagalog and Hindi and Urdu. You're thinking, what is going on? This is just a bunch of rednecks from Lizard Lick. Where did they learn to speak these languages? Okay. And, and you'd have an ear for that. You know, when I travel to see our our families that live overseas, most of our families are not living in uh, touristy areas, okay? They're out in the middle of nowhere a lot of times. And so when I travel, um, when I get lost, which I always seem to do when I travel, I'm in airports and bus stations where there's very little English. And if I hear an English speaker, I, I pick up on that because they can help me. They can understand me. So you can imagine coming into Jerusalem and hearing someone unexpectedly from Lizard Lick speaking your language. And Luke's very clear. He wants to be very clear. These are actual languages from actual places. And so he spends a lot of time telling you where, where they're from. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. All these people from 15 or more places, they hear these languages. God has timed this. So that when the most people are in the city to hear the good news in their own language. And it's so important to hear it in your own language. That's why Cameron and Jessica are learning Romanian. Because it matters to hear the good news of Christ in your own language. Um, And God has made that possible supernaturally here. We have another little snapshot of one of the earliest gatherings of the disciples of Jesus. And what they are doing is proclaiming the good news, being witnesses to the nations, to people from all over, um, empowered uniquely by the Spirit to be witnesses to the end of the earth. The gift of languages here is not the end. It's a means. And it tells us that the Spirit 
will do whatever it takes to empower us to be witnesses. Okay? If it takes miracles, the Spirit will do miracles. God is equipping these people to be witnesses. John Piper says it's a shame that the term Pentecostal power has for many people become more associated with speaking in tongues than with the harvest of world evangelization because the point of the languages is that the Spirit is empowering them to be witnesses to all these nations. It's a little preview. It's a little trailer of the mission. According to Acts 1.8, we are to be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the end of the earth. And so in this one incident, this little trailer, we find believers enabled and empowered by the Spirit to speak to a gatherings of thousands of people, we'll find out about that next week, in their heart language, telling them the mighty works of God, which surely includes the good news of Jesus who has just died and risen from the dead on the last two feast days, right? It's been pointed out that the movie... Is actually a sequel. There's a guy named uh, Jeffrey Grogan, and he has written and con- compared and contrasted Acts chapter 2, what we're talking about, with something that happened back in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. You mem- might remember that story. It's where languages come from, the biblical explanation for languages. The people were trying to build a tower to reach God on their own, and God was not pleased, and he divided their languages and divided the people. And Jeffrey Grogan says, at, at Babel, men gathered together for a sinful purpose, but were scattered by the act of God. At Pentecost, devout men, who though, although largely Jews, were from every nation under heaven, were brought together by the act of God. At Babel, God confused the language of men so that they did not understand each other. At Pentecost, men were bewildered because they did understand each other. At Babel, there was a dispersion of the nations, um, which anticipated this dispersion of Israel. But at Pentecost, this judgment was reversed in an act of grace, which brought men into unity in the Spirit. At Babel, men determined to make a name for themselves, but at Pentecost, God exalted the name of Jesus. And the whole history of man, he says, since Babel has been marked by the disunity brought by sin, only in Christ by the Spirit is this disunity truly overcome. And so since Pentecost, this is what God has been doing. He has been drawing men and women to Himself through our witness, empowering His people to be witnesses. And that has been going on and going on and going on for centuries now, and we are the beneficiaries of it. Uh, let me just try to give you a, an illustration of, of how that has unfolded. Um, this really bad graphic represents, um, starting in, in AD 100 all the way to 1989, the ratio of non-Christians to committed Christians. So in Acts chapter 2, when this all busted out, there were 360 non-believers for every believer. Every committed believer. Let's fast forward all the way to 1500. The gospel has spread around the world such that now there's only 27 non-believers for every committed believer. You come all the way up to 1989, which is when they drew this fancy graphic, um, and there were seven non-believers for every committed Christian. We've gone from 360 to seven for every believer. The gospel is spreading. God is 
equipping by his spirit people to be witnesses all around the globe to the end of the earth. Um, maybe you remember that this is the story of the Bible. We, we uh, raced through the Bible a couple years back and we talked about the Bible being a story or a play in six acts. Okay? Act one was creation. Act two was uncreation or the fall when Adam and Eve sinned. Act 3, which is largely the rest of the Old Testament, is getting ready for the king, the choosing of Israel. Act 4 was the coming of King Jesus and his kingdom. That's the Gospels. And then Act 5, the good news spreads of the, of the kingdom is spread. That starts in Acts, continues to our day. Act 6 is then is the return of the king, which we still await. We live in Act 5. This is what the Spirit of God is doing with His people now. He is equipping us to be witnesses to the end of the earth. Are you in? Are you willing to be a witness for Christ? Watch the trailer. Decide about the mission. Okay? Acts 2 is the trailer. God sends His Spirit and supernaturally enables His people to bear witness to all peoples. Now, this little film we're talking about, it's not just, it's not just a sequel, it's a prequel. God promises that there will be around His throne one day people from every tribe, tongue, and language worshiping there. The gospel is going to spread everywhere through our witness. In Revelation, John has a vision of this. He says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, the throne of God, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. God promises that those from every tribe, people, language, nation will one day worship around his throne. Are you in on that? Are you willing to say, yes, God, use me as a witness? I know some of you are thinking, that sounds impossible. I would be a really bad witness. It sounds like a bad idea. Impossible. Um, and I ran across this fascinating story. Way back in 1939, there's a guy named George Danzig. He was enrolled as a graduate student studying statistics under Polish-born professor Jerzy Neyman. And at the beginning of one class session, Dr. Neyman walked to the chalkboard and wrote two examples of famous unsolvable statistic problems on the blackboard. George happened to be late coming into class that day, saw the problems on the board, and thought they were a homework. So he wrote them down in his notebook and started working on them. Um, eventually, George solved both problems and turned them in. Six weeks later, an ecstatic Dr. Naaman knocked on George's door to share the news. A bewildered George actually apologized, thinking that the assignment was overdue and he had turned it in late. And that's when Dr. Naaman informed George that he had solved two of statistics' unsolvable problems. George would later recall, the problems did seem a little harder than usual. <laughs> but over the years, uh, George Danzig 
served the United States Air Force as civilian head of the Combat Analysis Branch. He earned a doctorate. He worked as a mathematical advisor to the Defense Department. He joined the faculty of Stanford University as professor of operations research and computer science. He received numerous awards, including the National Medal of Science in 1975. He developed um, the, the tools Dr. Dancing developed have shaped the way airlines schedule their fleets, shipping companies deploy their trucks, oil companies run their refineries, and businesses manage their revenue projections. But the genesis of his genius, it says, can be traced back to those two problems scribbled on the chalkboard while he was a statistics student. In his own words, this is what he says, if someone had told me they were two famous unsolved problems, I probably wouldn't even have tried to solve them. Okay. He would have thought it was impossible. What Acts chapter 2 teaches us is that it's no longer impossible. Okay. It is not impossible for you to bear witness for Christ to your family. Okay. It's not impossible. It's not impossible for you to share Christ with your coworkers, even your boss. It's not impossible for you to share Christ at school with your, with your teammates, with your classmates. It's not impossible. In fact, God has made it possible and promised that it will be so. Okay. You will be my witnesses. Are you in? Are you willing to say, yes, God, use me as a witness? Here, people I know and care about, maybe even to the end of the earth. You know, I told the first service that I know a lot of people were really terrified that what happened to the rotans would happen to them. You say yes to God, and he's going to send you to northern Virginia to be a witness. Okay. <clears throat> um, it could happen, okay? But they'll tell you, um, the Armstrongs will tell you, know where you'd rather be than doing what you believe God has asked you to do, what God has promised to be with you and empower you to do, whether that's here with your family or halfway around the globe, away from your family, with somebody else's family, loving them, sharing the good news of Christ with them. And I know some of you are thinking, I can't even be a witness in my own language, let alone some other language. You need to know that what we see in Acts chapter 2 is, is extraordinarily unique. Um, the roaring wind, the flames of fire, the speaking of many languages, and the hearing of unbelievers. Um, you know, this scene in the trailer never shows up anywhere else in the film, right? This never happens again. Not all of these kinds of things happening all together. Um, but it does teach us that the Spirit will empower us with whatever it takes in order for us to be witnesses. Okay. Whatever that means for you and your family, for you and your coworkers, for you and your neighbors, the Spirit will do that. You may never be a street corner evangelist. You may never stand up in front of hundreds of people behind some pulpit thingy like this and, and preach. But did you ever wonder why you live where you live? Why you work where you work? Why you go to the school you go to? God has you there so that he can empower you. You, not the person next to you. You as a follower of Jesus to be a witness there. 
And not just by your words. It's more than your words. Jesus in Matthew 5 says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In Mark 12, when he's talking about the great commandment, right? He gets down after he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And love demands more than words. And yet, and yet at times, surely love demands words. Saying yes to this mission does mean that you have to be willing to speak of Christ to others. And you can do this. You don't have to have a PhD to do this. To share what Christ has done for you. And what you understand that he's done on the cross out of the love of God for others. To bear their sins so they wouldn't have to. You can do that. You remember from our study of the Holy Spirit that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit actually now, if you are a follower of Jesus, He indwells you. And one of His purposes in indwelling you is to empower you to be a witness for Christ. Now, there's no guarantee that the Spirit is going to enable you to speak a language you've never spoken to somebody, never learned before to somebody. Uh, our missionaries wish that was the case. Most of them spend at least the first two years of their time on the field learning really hard languages like Hindi or Chinese or Turkish. And yet, even in that language learning period, God, by His Spirit, enables them to be witnesses. Um, we... Uh, we got word from one of our f folks in, in China, if you know Britain and Tara, uh, that as they're preparing to end their first season of language learning and ministry in China and come back to the States for a while and then hopefully return, uh, that her ministry primarily had been in a supportive role, learning language and caring for their young children. And she hadn't been out in the villages. They travel out of their city sometimes a day or more to get to the people they're trying to reach in the villages. And she'd never had a chance to lead anyone to faith in Christ during that time. And as it turns out, um, the sending agency requires not only that the husband has done that, but that the wife has done that as well. So this mom, this young mom, she and Britain flip roles. And so now this young mom is traveling out with some friends out to these villages out in the mountains where she doesn't even speak the people's language um, to tell them about Jesus. So, we get this email. She meets a lady. She goes out with a friend. And she meets this lady who's probably 40 years old or more in this village. And she's part of the people group in the, up in the mountains that Tara's friend is trying to reach that she's gone out with. She went to the family's home where there were already four brothers and sisters in the faith. And they invited this friend over and told her that they believed that she was there to hear the father's story. And so Tara began speaking in Chinese while a friend translated the story into their dialect. So we've got this young mom in a village in China speaking Chinese, which is not these people's language. This is being translated by a Chinese into their language, right? This is what God's working with in this scenario. Just halfway through the story, my friend stopped translating because the lady was able to understand me. Go figure. And as I told her how she could have a relationship with the father, with tears in her eyes, she wanted to believe. 
Tara says, I wept with her and she prayed after me that Father would forgive her, that she believed he died for her and rose from the dead, that she repented and wanted to receive him as Lord and that she would follow him from that day on. For the next two hours, she said, the brothers and sisters who were there shared and she was able to teach them from the word and pray over them. Tara, to my knowledge, is not a gifted evangelist. She's a mom who ended up living in China and made herself available to the Spirit to empower her as a witness. Um, Regular people available to be witnesses by the Spirit's enablement. If you were at our last uh, prayer meeting this month, prayer gathering here in, in this room, you heard story after story after story of God supernaturally opening up doors so that people could share the good news of Jesus, that you don't have to bear your sins. There's a sin bearer, Jesus. Are you willing to be a witness? Are you willing to be trained and encouraged to speak of Christ? When Rob comes back from Turkey, we've got really encouraging, helpful, practical training that's coming through our small groups. Um, See, the time for waiting has ended. The time for witness has come. The Spirit has come. He indwells us. He empowers us for witness. Watch the trailer, decide about the mission. Are you in? Are you willing to say, yes, God, use even me as a witness by your Spirit's power? Passage closes with this interesting twist. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? All these people speaking our language. But others mocking said, they are but filled with new wine. So some, it's interesting, it's very sobering, this amazing, miraculous communication by these folk from Lizard Lick speaking Arabic and all this craziness. And some people were open and wondering, what do these mighty works of God mean that they're declaring to us? And others said, they're just drunken babblers. And so you know... That even spirit-enabled witness can be rejected, even mocked. But it didn't stop the disciples, full of the Spirit of God. And we dare not let it stop us, fear of what someone will say or how someone will respond. Watch the trailer. Decide about the mission. Are you in? Are you willing to say, yes, God, in total dependence on the Spirit, you can use me as a witness? If that's the case, the worship team's going to come now. They're going to lead us in our closing uh, song of worship. And after the first verse, we'll stop and I'll step up and we'll have a chance to pray for any of you who sense God wanting you to just say yes. Yes to being available to be a witness. Maybe that involves a particular family member or friend or individual. Or maybe it's just a general yes. God, I, I think you want to use me. It may be yes to go into the ends of the earth. I don't know. But if God's doing that, after this first verse, I'll invite you forward. And we want, to, we want as a church family to pray for you. So let's stand.